Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of the evening. Everyone gather around that campfire, turn that MP3 player as high as possible. It is Game Dev Unchained podcast time. I am your host, Mr. Larry Charles, with my best friend, found him on the street corner turning tricks, Mr. Brandon Fam. Hey, welcome to this week's episode, everyone. This is Brandon Fam. Please welcome this week's special guest, Steve Gaynor. Hey, everybody. Good Hello. to be talking to you. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Game Dev Unchained podcast, and also the second edition of the Twitch Live version. Uh, for the podcast listeners, we've been live Twitch. Is that even how you say it? We're we're live on Twitch <laughs> right now, so people can see us, ask us questions while we're recording the actual podcast, and it's a lot of fun actually. So, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so, if it's the first time you're seeing us, please don't not unsubscribe. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Sounds a lot more impressive than we look. So, a black guy. He, he, he speaks exactly. so well. <laughs> you, you did say, please don't not unsubscribe. Yeah. And I couldn't yeah. quite follow how many double negatives that was. Yeah. Well, let's say stay oh. subscribed. Yeah, <laughs> stay exactly. subscribed. <laughs> just enough to uh, be interested. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you guys. Yeah, for sure. Just so you know, it's uh, explicit. You can say whatever you want, however you want. And if ever you accidentally let some information out, just let me know, flag it, and then I'll just remove it from the podcast. But yeah. Twitch will hear it. So right. yeah. Anybody that hears this on Twitch, just pretend you didn't hear it. Exactly. If I say, ah, oh, I didn't actually say that. Yeah, exactly. It's just all... <laughs> yeah, shut your ears from now on. <laughs> but so, uh, go ahead. <laughs> go, uh, well, Brandon, can you uh, introduce us to the topic and let's talk a little bit about our guests since you guys have actually worked together before, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, Steve, uh, we worked back at uh, 2K Marin, right, uh, those few years back, and uh, you just decided to become awesome since then. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I mean, I I would say that I wouldn't be insulted if you said I was also awesome back then as well, <laughs> but uh, maybe I stepped up my game a little bit. Since then. Yeah, yeah. No, we yeah. we worked uh, we worked together on the main game for Bioshock Two, and then I was the lead on the Minerva's Den DLC, and you were the like you, you were the environment modeler for all of the props and yep, objects yep. and stuff in that, right? So you built yep. a bunch of uh, like '50s steampunk machinery and computer equipment and stuff for that dlc so yeah we were pretty pretty closely together and then in the interim you've gone on to do rest you you guys you said you guys work together sledgehammer and stuff so That's there's been it. some years some years in between since the last time. time we worked together yeah i mean you still look good gainer yeah, thank you. <laughs> so uh just want to make sure i mean can you walk us through kind of your resume a little background and where you yeah. came from and where you are now Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I my my first. So I'm a I'm a level designer by trade. Originally. Yes. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. So were you a, were you a level designer or yeah, are you a level LD. designer? Right? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I was a level designer. My first design job was on an expansion pack for Fear called Fear Perseus Mandate. It was like a really kind of like low profile uh, expansion pack, and then I was lucky to go from there to being a level designer on Bioshock Two. Uh, and I shipped a couple of levels on the main game of that, and then I was the lead designer for the Minerva's Den DLC that uh, Brandon and I worked more closely together on. And since then, um, I worked for a year on Bioshock Infinite as a senior level designer, mm-hmm. uh, and then, yeah, uh, kind of left AAA, started our own studio called, uh, we're now just, just Fulbright, but uh, we started a studio called The Fulbright Company, Made Gone Home, which was uh, an indie title that was our first uh, title as like an indie studio. Now we're working on a new game called Tacoma that's going to come out on uh, PC and Xbox One next year, set on a space station, story exploration, kind of, you know, yeah. uh, immersive experience. Yeah. And I think you sold like one or two copies of Gone Home. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a couple people. A couple units shifted, yeah. yeah like your cool. mom bought that's one, obviously. Uh-huh. You know, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, that's cool. Can't. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't ship a game without your mom buying one copy. Maybe a couple for her friends. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. No, Gone Home was uh, was well received. We're really we're really uh, 
grateful for that, and we've expanded the team uh, for our next game, kind of uh, expanding our ambitions on that a little bit. Yeah. In the middle of that, you know, getting that project finished. Yes, sir. Uh, before we dig into some of the details on your development, actually, I had a question for you. I don't know if you've gotten this one a lot, because I know you do a lot of media stuff, but what's sure. the significance behind the name Fulbright? I know it carried well, over from the blog, but is there like a... Well, is that, is, so as a level designer, is that not a term that's been used in uh, level editors that you've used? Fulbright is where you see yeah. everything. You have okay, precisely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for, for the listeners at home, <laughs> Fulbright mode. So I I started uh, making my own levels in the Fear Editor, which was I think so. It's Lith Tech, but yeah. I think it was branched off of like the Quake Editor, like uh, like um, Valve's tools were. But uh, Fulbright mode is just when you turn off all the shadows and you can see all the surfaces mm-hmm. of the level, hundred percent brightness, and you know it's like it's just a jargony level design dork uh (laughs) term but uh yeah i i was when when i started my blog it was like a level design like progress blog you know like okay i'm gonna like keep a diary of like while i'm (laughs) designing my levels um and so i wanted to pick something that was kind of on theme for that and then i've just followed through with it since then it's a good sound word most people don't know where it comes from so it just kind of sounds cool (laughs) yeah man you were definitely on point even back then like starting the blog a lot of the indie developer, uh, developers nowadays are kind of just uh, just like recording their progress throughout their game, and yeah. it seems like you really caught on very early. At least, you know, in, in your career, just just taking notes of everything. Yeah, Was, I mean, I think it's you know it's cool when you can see a game like uh, like Lucas Pope who made Papers Please, and I was working on Overdin, or like. Uh, uh, Derek Yu, who made Spelunky, like those guys, you know, posted tons of dev updates mm-hmm. um, on forums that they were on, and I think it's it's really cool when you can get that uh, insight into a game as it's being made. You know, it's one of the advantages of being like a smaller kind of indie studio. You don't have to go through the whole approval process of like a big company. You can just be like, "Here's what I'm working on. Check it out." Yeah. yeah. You know, for for us right now, we're kind of we've been quiet on media stuff for Tacoma for a while. It's just because we're like we've been doing a lot of stuff kind of under the hood, mm-hmm. but I'm looking forward to when we later this year do our next kind of big, like re unveiling and show a bunch of stuff. And then we can, between that point and when the game comes out, feel a lot more free to be like, let's show you more insight into this piece or that piece of what you've seen so far and how it works and how it's coming online. You know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to dig into your crazy marketing <laughs> skills that you developed <laughs> over the years that we're like, were you born with that and that stuff? But uh, <laughs> I mean, before we go into that, though, yeah, um, can you kind of briefly go through your your AAA experience? Like, you know, what you like, what you didn't like, or yeah, what stuck? Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like we've all worked at uh, places where the teams are pretty big. Like, I imagine you guys working at Sledgehammer, the teams are even bigger than like what we worked together on at the two game in, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I think on Bioshock Two, the main team capped out at like. 80 or 100 people something like that and like yes yeah. that's, that's small for a triple-a game i uh, missed on these numbers actually yeah. i know right yeah um but you know now we're eight people at, at at fulbright and we were four people on on gone home um and that was a big part of it right like i mean we worked on that, that dlc together and so my experience was we went from the 80 to 100 people on the main game of bioshock 2 to being like, I think we were nine full-time developers plus like producers and stuff on the DLC. And then I, I moved to Boston and I was a senior level designer on Bioshock Infinite for a year. And that was a core team like on site of 150 people. So it was like, it was that, that, that study in contrasts of like yeah. 80 to 100, nine, 150, <laughs> you know? And, and like, it's, there's a lot that you can only do if you work at like a large scale. But yeah. from my own personal experience, I was just sort of like, I could really feel that difference of like, man, being on that small team, being focused, being able to have everybody just kind of like gathered around in one room and everybody knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. The, the, the project is like of a scope where you can really kind of like see the whole thing at once yeah. was really valuable. And I, I think that just like going back, going even bigger with infinite, like it's cool to be able to have, to be able to contribute and have an influence on such, such like a major project. Mm-hmm. But there's a flip side of it that's just like you have a you have a, a a very specific role within this really huge project and there's only so much influence you can have. And I think there's something that's very like tangible and different about saying like actually 
I work with everyone on this project every day. We yeah. all know what's going into this game. We know what the shape of it is. We know what we're making. And, and, and yeah, when, when we, when we started the Fulbright company, it was just like, I wanted to get back to that feeling of like, we all have this like connection to what we're making. In, right. In, like, yeah. in, in I know your name. <laughs> yeah, I've seen exactly. you for a while. Yeah. We talk to each other ever. <laughs> yeah. I think one of those things that happens at bigger companies where it starts to at least change my mind on things is that when you're working there for a long time, like Tukim Marin, and yeah. then after a while, somebody new comes in and like ask if you're the new person. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, when did you start? It's like. You see how faded my company shirt is? (laughs) Exactly. But, like, you're you're touching on a very good point. I think, uh, at least from the indie developers we've been talking to, and a lot of people who've gone AAA back to indie, is that once they get a little taste of that small team environment and being able to see immediate feedback Mm -hmm. on anything, like if I'm a 3D artist, I suggest something for design. I don't get shunned right away. Like, I get listened right. to. <laughs> so that's a nice feeling. And vice yeah. versa, right? Art side, we might shun you still, but <laughs> we'll still take, we'll take the feedback. Yeah. But, we uh, can talk about it. Right? We can talk about it. I think that's one of those things where it's like there's, there's so fewer levels of disconnect, right? Between yes. any given discipline. Where, where, you know, yeah, when we were working together, it could be like, oh, actually, I was picturing this kind of thing for that one asset that's like really important and you can just kind of turn it around and be like, this is what you were thinking of. It's like, yeah, yeah. More like that, you know? And, and you don't have to kind of like go through the art lead to the creative director back down to, you know, there's all these layers, right. And when you only have so many people, it's just like, no, this is what I was thinking of. You want to try that. And I remember that when I was working with uh, Will Armstrong, who was uh, the gameplay programmer on nervous Zen. he most recently worked on firewatch. Um, And I just remember, you know, I was, as the designer on that project being like, here's this idea I have for what we should do for like the plasmid that we're putting in the DLC. And like Will and I were just sitting kind of like right across the the walkway from each other and be like, Oh, what do you think of this? And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll try that. And you know, he kind of go back to work on an hour later. He's like, okay, check this out. I put it on. And we're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. And he's like, I also had this other idea. What do you think of this? And I'm like, no, that actually is better. Why don't we just do that? And you can just like kick that stuff back mm-hmm. and forth. And that, that iteration loop is so tight. There's, there's something that, it's just really uh, fulfilling about that, I guess. Yeah. It's different when, when it is like, okay, let's have like a department meeting, all the leads get together, they make the big decision, you know, and, and the, the loop is so wide that maybe by the time the idea is on screen, you don't even remember what you were trying to do in the first place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right, 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 right. I wonder, yeah. how much, I wonder how much time is actually wasted because of that big process, you know, that like yeah. you would think that email is the most lightning fast communication tool that you would have <laughs> in such a big studio. But when it has to go through like two producers before it gets to the person, right. you know, that's actually making the decision and then. Yeah. Yeah. And then a chance of rejection and then you got to start the process. <laughs> Only happens once in a while. So, yeah, right. In your own personal experience. <laughs> in my own personal experience. So you you went from Tuki Marin, went all over uh, to Boston, worked yeah. on Infinite. Uh, how was your experience over there? And uh, I mean, it was cool. Like I was, I was really glad I got to spend that time there. Sorry. So my cat is walking around screaming a tiny amount. So if you hear in the background, my so, apologies. Same thing's uh, happening over here. Yeah, it sounds like it's not. I'm not the only one, but. Um, no, I was really uh, grateful to get to work at, at Irrational. Um, you know, the the people that I worked with there, they were a bunch of guys that were like a big part of the reason that I even wanted to get into game development in the mm-hmm. first place, right? And I mean, when you get that opportunity to work with people that have like idol, you know, that that have inspired you and that you've kind of like had as like idols of what you want to make, uh, I think that there's a couple of really good things about it one is that you learn how they work and you get to see like oh i see i see how they think about this stuff that's like a perspective that i wouldn't have had otherwise and the other part is that it just kind of like humanizes them and you're like oh i see the people that made this stuff that i'm like that i hold in such high regard they're just dudes that i work with like they're just trying to figure shit out right Mm -hmm. and i think it gives you a perspective to say like okay well that means probably if I just tried to be in that position of like trying to figure out our own thing, that's probably possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they, they smell so. just as bad as I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to know how Ken Levine smells. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a very hygienic. Man. 
Yeah. Uh, but but I mean, just like you know, the, these people that you kind of have been aware of and thought of as like you know representing something in in what you do, and then being able to to just have direct access to like how they work. I think that that's something that um, that there's no you know there there there's no uh, there's no substitute for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that I got to work there when I did. Um, but also, you know, like, like as noted, it, the experience of working there is part of what made me realize I don't want to be working on projects that are this huge anymore. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, uh, I read an article today about, uh, that dragon cancer and how it was kind of affected by the let's play audiences out there and content producers who are kind of, I guess, really putting entire gameplays of the, you know, the experience online, how do you feel like that type of thing is going to affect your business? Because, I mean, Gone Home is, you know, a linear kind of... Well, I don't want yeah. to call it linear, but you know what I mean. It's a single-player yeah. experience yeah, yeah. that, you know... It's, not- it's something that, I mean, the player's involvement definitely impacts the interpretation you have of the game. But also, yeah. on the other hand, you could watch through it and be like, okay, I watched that. Yep. I get it, right? Yeah. It's not It's not like a, It's not like Dota or something where yeah. it's like, okay, I need to play a bunch of rounds of this thing or something. Um I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like if you worry about it, I don't feel like you can worry about it too much. You know, I think it's. I, I feel like it's like worrying about piracy or something, okay. right? Like I feel like it's sort of like, listen, there's people that want to see what your game's all about, and either they're not going to buy it anyway, but they but they want to be able to like see their favorite like let's players perspective on it, or they just kind of want to like, get an idea of like mm-hmm. what it contains and like either they weren't going to buy it. So like, it's cool. They get to check it out and maybe tell their friends that it seems cool or whatever, even if they aren't going to purchase it and play it for themselves or some, you know, content creator that, that they enjoy does a playthrough and they start to watch it and they're like, Oh, this seems cool. Okay. I should stop watching this and just go play it myself. And then, you know, you've got a sale. Right. But I, I don't, I don't think that from, from our own perspective, there's no way of tracking like, oh, what if there was no no streamers yeah. <laughs> who have sold more copies? Like I there's literally no way of knowing that. And I mean I prefer to think of it in terms of like hopefully streamers and let's players are just another way of like getting the word out. Mm-hmm. And maybe if somebody's like, Oh, I follow this channel, oh they're playing this game. Yeah. This looks cool. Either I'll hang out and watch it and great, somebody else got to enjoy it, or I started watching it and I'm like, I need to have this experience for myself, I'm gonna go buy it. But if you're, I don't know, I, I I feel like you can really tie yourself up in knots thinking like, oh, what, what about all these people that are like playing our game but not paying for it, you know, yeah. or watching our game but not like converting to a sale. And it's sort of like there's a bunch of people that are either going to pirate it, play it at their friend's house. You know, like I remember back in, you know, back in the 90s or early 2000s, you know, game companies were like, oh, all these people that are renting our game instead of buying it, we're losing sales. It's yeah. like. I don't know. And like, there's only so much you can do, right? Um, so just kind of like trying to make the most of the, the the channels that there are at the time when you're making something, I think is for the best. Um, I mean, I feel for the the that dragon cancer guys that like I, I speak from a place of privilege in saying like, <laughs> our game our game sold well, yeah, so I can yeah. say like ah. Yeah. you know like yeah, no. it's, it's all good you're like the game isn't selling well and there's all these people who are just like watching let's play instead of playing it then like i get it um but i think that you got to think of how people are connecting with it in spite of that as yeah. opposed to right like, yeah, yeah i agree think it's happening i wish it wasn't happening you know because it's happening right so like yeah. how do you live with the fact that it's happening I, I really like your comparison with piracy like people who pirate usually are ones that are not going to buy it anyways. All right. Or they're going to love it so much that they're yeah. like, oh shit, I downloaded this for free, but like, I want to support them. So now. Exactly. So, I mean, one if, of the it, yeah. I mean, if the audience aren't going to buy it anyways, but they're interested, I mean, you got to think of it as a creator, like as a marketing tool. Like, it's a, you know, maybe the first game they don't want to buy, maybe the second game if they like you enough, right? Because mm-hmm. if you can turn that pirater into a fan, you gain a customer. And I yeah. think the same thing with, with the Let's Play thing. Like people are either going to watch it or they want to enjoy it themselves, and I don't think yeah. people are on the fence. You know, you can't really, you know, cater to those guys because it's yeah. either or. I think you're being a little too nice to the pirates, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'll speak. I'll speak for myself, and I'll just yeah. say, 
when I was in high school and we first got the cable modem, I pirated a lot of things that I would have bought, <laughs> but it yeah. was like, it was right there and I didn't have to buy it. So, right, right, right. Like Eminem, Ludacris, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I owe you guys like, you know, 60 bucks a piece. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. But I think that's still like, when you were in that position, you wouldn't have spent the money on it. Like if there was mm. no way to pirate it. You probably just wouldn't have bought it, or you, or your friend would have bought it, and you would have played at their place or something, right? Like, I just got an email the other day um, from a kid who was in high school that was that was it was really it was really cool because he was like, "Hey, I'm like a hardcore PC gamer, you know. I play like played like a hundred hours of Skyrim, and like I knew about Gone Home, but I was like, ah, it's some indie game, I'm not going to play it. And then I linked my Steam account to my brother's account in the house, and so I had it and I played it." And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I've always thought that, like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe game design, maybe architecture, maybe something. But now I know I want to be a game designer. And, like, your game made me realize that, like, there's more you can do with games. And, and at the end of the email, he was like, uh, when I have money, I'm going to buy the game and copy the soundtrack to support you guys. You know, and I'm like, I think there's a lot of, you know, like, high school kids or like middle school kids that mm -hmm. just don't have disposable cash, but they want to check out these games. Yeah. And so like if, if a let's player can play it and they can be like, Oh, I get to check out this game, even though I don't have a bunch of money to buy everything I would like to. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's cooler than just like, sorry, yeah, don't, it's all, it's all don't, business. Don't, yeah. Don't put, don't put eyes on our game unless you can afford it. You know what I mean? That's, that's a great standpoint, man. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a really wide, uh, subject to cover i think you know there's a lot of perspectives on it. yeah so like uh you went from infinite and at a certain point you're looking around and you're seeing <laughs> yourself in a cubicle <laughs> so when did you finally you seem like a guy who calculates a, a lot of his risks right you're not the guy that just jumped ship just because and took a yeah, chance sure. i'm sure you, you spent enough time like when was it did you feel comfortable to to go out on your own well, I mean, really, it, the decision to just come back to Portland came before what we were actually going to do when we got here. Like, my wife is from here, and I, like, went to college here, and I lived here for a while before we moved to the Bay Area and, and so forth. And it was kind of at that point where I was like, this game is this game is too big for me to, like... So, at the point that I left Irrational... It was early enough, well, not early enough, but it was like not so late in development that I knew that if I left, I would just be fucking over a bunch of people. You know, like if you leave during crunch, yeah. you're kind of being an asshole unless there's, yeah. like, you know, what, there's like a, you know, there's like a, a thing where it's like there's a family emergency, you got no choice. But if you're just like, ah, see you guys, like you can't hire somebody new to cover you when the game's like about to ship or whatever, right? So like when I left, I was like a year and a half out from ship. So I kind of knew okay, if I'm not invested to the point where I'm going to, like, be here through this game being on shelves, I need to, like, leave now so that I'm not in the middle of, like, the nasty part of development where, like, a bunch of people are just going to catch my work and it sucks for everybody. So it's kind of like, it was that it was that value judgment of, like, am I going to be here for a year and a half to ship this thing? Because the answer is no, I just need to be like, guys, I'm doing the responsible thing. I'm sorry, but, like, I got to leave now so that you guys can, like, cover that, right? Um, and so at that point was, yeah, when my wife and I decided, we were like, okay, we're just going to move back to Portland. We'll figure out what we do when we get there, yeah. right? Because, like, we have family there, et cetera. And, and the thing about Portland is it's a great town, but there's not any kind of like established games industry here. Mm, right. Like right. I, I, I couldn't have just like sent out my level design, like application <laughs> to somewhere. It's not like there's EA here or like yeah, yeah. Microsoft or something. Right. Um, so we got back and I did a little bit of like contract work. Um, and yeah, that's when I started talking to, uh, Yanaman and Carla from, from two camera in, um, I kind of, you know, I know there's a certain level of people that you need to be able to make a game. Once a programmer, uh, once an artist, <laughs> once a designer. Okay. That's a good, that's a good starting point. Um, and so just thinking back who I had worked with and kind of what position, uh, people were in by the time I was coming back to Oregon, I, I reached out to a few people. Um, I actually reached out to Will as well, but he was uh, not in a position to feel like he was like, Right jump. that jump um but uh but yeah it was at that point where i was like you know if i'm gonna be in portland and i want to keep making the kind of games that we know how to make and the kind of games that we like care about making 
we just I just have to figure out a way to like start our own thing here because there isn't something already. Uh, And so, yeah, that's when those discussions started and like what kind of game it could be and how we can make it happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, first off, uh, my mail must have gotten lost. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I'm glad you made the jump, man. Like, uh, of course, yeah, Portland isn't like a booming uh, game industry. I think it's changing now. Like there's a few over there right now, right? Like it's starting to. There's a little bit, yeah. There's um, there's somebody that I met at GDC um, who's working on some like uh, PlayStation VR stuff. There's some smaller studios, and there's a couple of like um, like art outsource kind of studios and stuff like that. But it's nothing like the Bay Area or like Seattle or like LA or Austin. Um, there's not like critical mass of like studios that are producing stuff at this point. Yeah. And another subject that you brought up, like this is something that's not really talked about too much, is about the spouse being a spouse of a game industry. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, I mean, for you to move around like that and like finally hitting it big, I'm sure she, <laughs> her bet was paid off in a big way. Right. <laughs> I mean, how was that? Like just moving around and everything. I'm, I'm sure well, it was tough. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was good until we'd kind of like had enough of it. You know what I mean? Like we actually moved. So my wife and I lived here in Portland and then um, we moved down to the Bay Area for her grad school. But it was also like she decided which grad school to go to based partially on like she knew I wanted to get into the the games industry. And so like she knew that there was opportunities in San Francisco and it was a place she got. So, you know, there was kind of a balance there. But um, yeah, I moved to Texas for that first design job, like while we lived in San Francisco and she stayed back there. So we were like apart for six months doing a long distance thing. Right. And then we go to Boston together. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, like we, we made that balance of kind of making sacrifices for each other and being like, Oh, let's go here. Let's have this time apart. Let's come back together. And by the end of that, I think both of us were just like, we want to stop chasing things around the country yeah, like I, I had I had been interviewing um, with the DSA. Like I was, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do at the end of um, the whole uh, the thing in Boston. I was like talking to the DSX team up in Montreal, you know. So I was like, oh, do I just want like a different AAA thing? But it wasn't really that. And so it was like, do we want to like chase another job to another place, a whole other fucking country, or do we just yeah, want to yeah. get back to where we want to end up? You know, and that yeah, was yeah. where like we think this is our chance to say like. We'll see what happens when we get back there and try to make it work. But it was definitely, you know, like she's the reason I was out here in the first place. And we're really happy to be back to a place where we really feel like, you know, this is like where we want to stay. Because it can feel very transient to be in the games industry and be like, okay, on this project, it just shipped. I laid a bunch of people off. Where are we going to move now? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, like having game jobs just very concentrated. You're always relying on the Mecca areas, you know, like the San Francisco, L.A. area and Texas and stuff. At a certain point, I think five years in, <laughs> after five years, you kind of want to just go back home in some yeah. sort of way. I think that's I think. pretty much how it was, right? Like, I uh, I started, well, let's see. Yeah, I got my first, my very first industry job in QA in 2005 and then we moved back to portland at the end of 2011 so like from my first design job through to when we moved back to portland that was pretty much exactly five years we were kind of like all right we done this thing let's let's like put down roots in the place we want to be you know? yeah i'm tired i'm cold i'm going back to portland <laughs> it's snows here there's bass holes everywhere somebody keeps eating my tv dinners <laughs> <laughs> Steve doesn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I just made the connection. Though. I know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was by accident. I didn't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keep up that story. Yeah. I'm that guy. Uh, <laughs> so, together for? <laughs> I want to so know about your story. How uh, long did you guys work together for? Were you guys like? Oh man, this is our third tour together. Okay. So we started working together. I think the first time was Spark Unlimited. Uh, Brandon came in for three months, was it? Okay. Four months? Eight months. Eight months. <laughs> two, three, one month, six weeks? Yeah, too much Eight fun, months. I guess. Time flies. Yeah. So it was awesome. Spark uh, was where Brandon got you know up to senior environment artist, which was uh, very helpful because he went to Sledgehammer and he got the job there. And he was like, hey, I know this cool guy named Larry. He's a great level designer. He works really hard. Let's bring him in for an interview. So that was our second time working together. 
And then uh, Brandon and I started doing some entrepreneurial stuff. Uh, namely, this podcast is one of our, our ventures. And he gets a job at Section Studios in L.A. And I left uh, Sledgehammer Games and I went to Obsidian Entertainment. And then, you know, uh, Section reached back out and said, hey, Larry, we know you interviewed before. We want to bring you back in. There's this guy named Brandon. He thinks you're all right. You know, so <laughs> little did they know, like we were pulling strings trying to make this all work out. And so now we work together again and we also have plenty of time to work on our businesses and stuff. So, awesome. yeah, three tours with Brandon. We feel like a, a married couple in a sense. Yeah, that's definitely. Cool. I mean, that's, that's how this stuff tends to work out. Like, so at Fulbright right now, half of the studio four out of eight of the people in the studio are x2 gamer in and it's like you know tynan wales who you worked with and and leon shout out to tynan. yeah shout out to tynan shout out to leon leon was uh so like at two gamer in tynan wales and i started in the same week as we were the first two level designers that were hired on bioshock 2 and then leon a programmer on bio 2 and now he's the lead programmer at fulbright uh, we were in the same room signing our like first day, like starting day paperwork on the yeah. same day at two camera. And so like the three of us and Carla from, from two K we're, we're all, we're half of Fulbright now. That's the, that's the way it goes, right? Like yeah. you've worked together before the studio you're at now needs somebody. You're like, Hey, we should pull in this person. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think that's great. Like you have this established, uh, kind of, uh, working relationship. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you guys, a lot of it, I think, when you go through the industry, uh, when you're going through this this fun trial, <laughs> you're going, you're kind of just gathering up friends and collecting them in some way and keeping that in mind. Because I think, if anything, you wrote, you were, uh, I saw an article that you, you were talking about at GDC, kind of like touching on this point, like, it's not about finding the best person for the job, but it's more like, you know, just finding your best people that you can work with i mean can you expand on that a little bit yeah 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 i mean i I think that's yeah definitely part of what you're saying i think is you know you work somewhere and something that's really cool about working in a larger studio is you're kind of thrown into this group where you're like we're all working together now like somebody else hired all of us but now we're all working together and there's that process of like i like working with that person like we work really well together like i want to work with them again Someday, if we can, right? And then, and then, a lot of times, since it's such a small industry, sometimes that day comes up, and you have the opportunity to be like, "Actually, hey, we need somebody like that. We should hire them." You get to work together again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I was at um, when I was at GDC, I was asked to be part of the um, GDC Micro Talks, which is there's ten speakers in an hour long session, and each speaker gets five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cool thing about the micro talks is that it's it's one of the really popular sessions at GDC. Like a really wide swath of people comes right from all different disciplines. And something that that I felt was that given that opportunity to kind of talk to like a lot of people from just like a good like cross section of the industry is just like what do you really feel passionate about? What do you feel like is like important for people to have in their minds if they're going to like come to a session like this. So, you know, at, at Fulbright, um, five out of the eight people at the studio are female. We've worked hard to like try to have better gender diversity than, than most teams in the industry. And if you want to make your team not look like the industry usually does, you have to actually say like, we're going to consider not just who has the most experience, who has the most ship titles, who's been a senior XYZ on projects already, but like this person, do they seem like they have the potential to do great work? Do we see in their portfolio stuff that speaks to us, not just like how many titles they've put out on the market and how successful they've been? And you do need some senior people, you know, and like the senior people on our team are mostly male, but it's because we're in the self-perpetuating cycle where like we're people that get that chance right and so if you want to change that you have to say maybe this person is unproven but they're not going to get a chance to prove themselves unless we actually give them that chance right so um yeah that's what my talk was about you know i think it can feel risky or whatever to do that but um if you only work from a perspective of fear of like, if we don't hire the person who like looks the best on their resume, then like the project's going to fail, then you're, you're just going to get the same thing you always get. Right. So, yeah. 
Especially the design. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, so I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I've been like the only one, I'll just say, of my kind uh, on many design teams. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it, dude. At three companies, I just see designer, designer, and then Larry <laughs> walk out. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's, it's true. Like, I, I, haven't, I haven't worked with, you know, like, the, I think on Infinite and on Bio2, I think we had... I think we had two female designers on on Infinite and one on Bio Two, as I can remember. And I mean, I worked with an awesome uh, graphics programmer at at, at Two K Marin, uh, Ray Graham. He's a black guy, but like, <laughs> not a lot of he's, like. He's the black guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like the black guy, and uh, and like there's it's yeah exactly like there's not a lot of of like good representation within teams like these, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially on design, I feel like you know. Hey, I'm holding it down for us, man. <laughs> no, that's really cool that you mentioned Ray. Ray has actually come through a couple of times to work with us on the podcast. So nice. shouting out Ray Graham is is definitely a big thing. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. I just ran into him uh, at GDC, actually. He's working at um, at Unity now. So yeah. yeah. Like, out a lot of projects by making the engine better, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I have a question for you, actually. Um with the success of your previous title, Gone Home, I imagine a lot of doors open for you, right? But what I would like to know is, do you ha- do you find that this success, your first shot, mega success, like everyone knows about it, you're winning awards, has any of that awesomeness actually hindered you or made it difficult to strike it out again? Like, is there any fear of not being able to repeat success, or are you are you too famous that you you find it difficult to get things done sometimes? Or- <laughs> I'm too damn famous. No, I, no, I don't know. I'm serious. It's ah, like, this fame. like every day somebody's asking me to do Why something for them. Right? Or like, you know, every week my emails got 50 emails from people trying to work for me now. Or, you know what I mean? Like, what are some of those stories? I mean, it, so like, there's definitely a difference working on Tacoma than working on Gone Home. Because mm-hmm. like, on Gone Home, it was like most of the time, most of the job was just making me. Mm-hmm. And then, now there's a lot more of the job that's like just keeping up with emails with people. Yeah. External, like either trying to coordinate things or working with, um, you know, like contractors that we're working with, that kind of stuff. Some of that stuff is just like larger team, you know, kind of like working with more people on the project kind of stuff. But some of it is like, and I mean, it's like, it's an embarrassment of riches kind of thing. It's like a, it's, it's something that I'm not really complaining about, but it's like, yeah, we have way more people that just like, like today, I try to do my part, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I try to, I try to be the developer that I would have wanted to encounter when I was younger. But like today, I, I went out to a coffee shop and I met up with a couple of college students that emailed me and were like, "Hey, I'm finishing college in Portland and I want to get into the games industry." And like, I was hoping we could just sit down and talk about like your perspective on that. And I'm sort of like, "All right, yeah, that's cool. Like, let's let's meet up at a place near the office." And you know, it's like that is the kind of stuff that wasn't happening when we were making Gone Home and you just kind of, you gotta like, uh, a lot some time for like the stuff that, cause, cause yeah, more people kind of like are more interested in getting a little more of your time Mm -hmm. during the process than before. Um, start with a sigh. Ah, all right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's cool. And like, I hope that it helps people. And like, actually I know a couple of people that like, were like, Hey, can I interview you for like, my college thesis and oh, then nice. it's been like a year or two since then and they email me and they're like hey i'm working at this studio now or i'm working for this publisher now yeah. i just wanted you to know that like thanks for like actually giving me the time of the day back when i was still in college and like that's great if if you could be one of the people that can help people like feel like they actually have access to like what we do mm-hmm. then that's awesome but it definitely it, it's different right like it, it's something else that you have to kind of balance um and i am on Tacoma, I'm in more of like a like creative director role as opposed to just like on on Gone Home, I was the only designer. So like I placed every object in the the whole house. Yeah. You know, it's basically one big level. So I was like I was the designer, I was the level designer. If stuff was gonna go in the level, I was the one who had to put it there. And now it's more like a learning process of like coordinating with our designers who are doing most of the like in editor like you know, like like actual on boots on the ground kind of yeah. work. Um, so 
you know, it, but it's all just like learning how to do different roles than you're used to. I think it's, I think it's important and valuable to be like re- required to always be learning instead of just like, hey, let's just do the same thing as last time, right? Yeah, I mean, speaking of taking on different roles, I mean, were you always so good at marketing? Because I, <laughs> I swear, dude, when Gone Home was about to be released, like it felt like you guys had triple A budget. <laughs> you guys were everywhere, and it's just so crazy. Like, how how did you guys? It was, was it just a learning process, or you just knew people a lot and just picked yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, like some of it came from having worked at Two K, right? Like when um, they, they they you know Two K uh, was gracious enough to actually make me like the. PR face for whenever it's then, right? Like it was a small project. It wasn't like a huge thing or whatever, but they were like, yeah, go out, do press appointments, like show the game to people. Um, and so from that process and just kind of generally kind of being visible, like I'm on the Idle Thumbs podcast, which has been running for, for years, but it has a big audience, especially within the, the industry. Um, and so I think just like having multiple avenues of having visibility and having kind of like press contacts and stuff allowed us to a be able to reach out to people directly and be like, Hey, we're doing this preview event or we want to send you a review code or like, here's a trailer or whatever. Um, but be just kind of like getting people interested in what we were doing, you know? Cause if like, if people know me, they're like, Oh, he's that guy that like, I know from this thing or that I listen to him on this podcast or blah, blah, blah. And he's making this game. Then like that makes the game more interesting, right? Just kind of like being out there, I think is, uh, is a big part of it. Um, and I mean, I hope, well, and, and so also just like kind of the, especially at that time, the pedigree of like, mm-hmm. Oh, like we're an indie studio that worked on the Bioshock series together. So like, okay, let's see what they do next. You know? Um, <laughs> But, you know, hopefully those two things plus just the game seeming legitimately interesting all adds up to this critical mass of like, okay, we should like put this in front of people, right? And we've been rolling that forward with Tacoma and we've gone bigger and we have like a Game Informer cover and all this kind of stuff. And those yeah. that's like, that's bigger, those are bigger hits that are based on what we did before. So yeah. hopefully just like build on that as you go forward and not disappoint people. You know, because if, if you get people on board and you're like, hey, look what we did last time get super interested in what we're doing now, oh, it's actually not that cool. Then uh, <laughs> you've, lost, you've lost your whole audience, right? Yeah, so yeah. Entertaining, I think, as you go forward. Yeah, I mean, like, you you being on a Game Informer, you walking on the Xbox stage. <laughs> I, I believe, like, the Gone Home came out the same year as Infinite as well, right? Yeah, yeah, like six months after it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you, you were, your game was nominated in a lot of the same categories. I mean, that must have felt nice (laughs) no it was cool and i mean the thing is like you know i think that there's a lot of mutual respect all throughout the the games industry i know that like i was very proud and grateful to have been able to contribute to to infinite in whatever way i was able to while i was there and i know that like ken and the team from irrational was really supportive of what we were doing so um but yeah it was a kind of surreal year for like two games that i worked on one that i was much more much more responsible for but they both came out within like six months of each other and just seeing the reaction and seeing them be like compared to each other and stuff. <laughs> it was a very strange, uh, <laughs> uh, moment. Uh, but it was cool. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just a projection of, you know, where you would have, would have been if you stayed versus where you are now that you yeah. left. So it's just, well, a nice and, that was, and that was a part of like when I left also, I had that confidence to say like, this team's, good they don't need like this game's gonna be good like if i leave it's still gonna be good <laughs> you know what I mean? and so i didn't feel like i didn't feel that feeling of like oh i'm really letting these guys down i'm like no this is an awesome team of developers this game's gonna gonna turn out all right you know so i have a i have a fun question and you don't have to say any names but i, I figured <laughs> this might be interesting coming from you did you when leaving 2k did you have an opportunity for like a count of monte cristo moment where someone was like oh psh, you're you shouldn't do it you're gonna fail this and that and then you know I, I like re- anyone that knew that you were going into developing games yourself and then here you come like mega success <laughs> yeah I, I mean it could be lighthearted, like yeah. as if like hey oh okay <laughs> well i so i know um i know that our our 3D artist Kate, she had left a company to to work full time on on Gone Home, and I know that she said that somebody that she knew 
was like, like, all right, like, you're welcome back when it doesn't work out, kind Ooh. of thing. <laughs> like, kind of, like, uh, but like, I think from from the from my perspective, you know, it was sort of like, um, I well, when when I left, it wasn't in terms of like I'm leaving to go start my yeah, own thing, yeah. you know. So, so I think that um, I don't know when when I my last day at Irrational was the same day as like company holiday party. Mm-hmm. And like I was at the party, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to come to the party and say bye to everybody and stuff. And like when I was leaving, Levine gave me like a bro hug, you know, like it was good terms. Yeah, right? so yeah. I, think, I think it was all kind of um, amicable. Like, I hope everybody's stuff goes well. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> we'll see you next time we see you kind of thing. But uh, no, I don't know. I mean, uh, my understanding is that, um, that, that the rest of Infinite was a pretty intense dev cycle. So I think people had their own stuff to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, well, uh, I guess, uh, you know, at least one person on the team did have that moment of like, ah, yes. Make sure to send them a free copy, please. I'll sign it myself. <laughs> send a, a postcard or something. Yeah. Uh, that's cool, man. All right, so we have reached that 45-minute mark. It is time for us to take a quick commercial break, podcast listeners, and we'll be right back with more Game Dev Unchained. Game Prototype, a horror game. We're opening up spring registration for our course, perfect for a total beginner to make your own game prototype in Unreal 4. Within the We Make course, you can choose from three disciplines, design 3D art or UI, UX artists. Even learn all three at no extra cost. In addition, you'll have a game industry professional meeting with you every week to guide you through the weekly assignments. If you're interested, you can pre-register for the course anytime before class starts. Online, May 16th, 2016. We are taking in a limited amount of students to keep the learning experience intimate and personal. Email BrandonFam at GameSchoolOnline.com for more info. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's the three of us. We're all hanging out in my treehouse, and, uh, you know, it's pretty cold. Mom's bringing up brownies, so it's all good. We're here for the last 15 minutes of the Game Dev Unchained podcast, and... Why don't we start with some questions from Twitch because we've got some people wondering a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Brandon. I think you had it written down. <laughs> so one of the the first questions, it's more like a fan question. Since we both work on Bioshock and I know a lot of the reasons why we went into the industry is Bioshock, you know, telling awesome stories with unique art styles. Uh with the whole news with Bioshock not being made or circulate being made, like what do you think the future of the franchise is? That's one of the questions. God, I mean, I have literally no idea at this point. You know, like I, I, I saw the, um, I saw that news that was posted recently that they're going to do like a ultimate Bioshock collection on current right. gen consoles. So it's like all the games and all the DLC on on one disc. I oh, mean, wow. I think it's, or maybe not one disc, but like in one package. And I think it's it's cool that like people playing on current gen consoles are going to be able to just like get that whole series in yeah. one place. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a series that's so tied to irrational and like a kind of singular point of view that I mean, there, I guess there's some possibility they could like give it to another team to do the next one. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the kind of thing that kind of like is in hibernation for a while. Yeah, you know, and then while, maybe yeah. it comes back and it's like, oh, it's back. You know what I mean? But it seems like they. They just got to kind of, I don't know, I, I would be surprised if they didn't just kind of like let it rest for a while and then maybe it reemerged as like a new thing further down the line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't even imagine, you know. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? What I you have think? no idea. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually to me, it feels like whenever they're, they're packaging all the games together, they're about to announce something. Right. Well, and System or Shock just, is even coming back. I, yeah. So, right. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of people searching for Bioshock, System Shock, and who knows? There there could be a little something on the way. Who knows? I I, I don't definitely. I'm so far from it. <laughs> it's going to come back as a 2D fighter. <laughs> I want that. Oh man! All right. So there's another question. Uh, so a lot of this stuff, you know, this is going back to uh, Gone Home. Like, can you kind of go through a little bit of how you guys? I remember you mentioning once that you guys all lived in one house at one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, was it completely self-financed? Did you guys seek uh, investments? Did you guys think about Kickstarter? I mean, what was that? 
Yeah. Um, we, uh, you know, when we started the game, when we started working on the game, was right when the big, like, first wave of, like, game Kickstarters were happening, like Double Fine Adventure um, and uh, Hyper Light Drifter, which is, like, coming out uh, or is out now uh, when this podcast comes up. Uh, <laughs> like, the, those games that were, like, they were kickstarting for, like, millions of dollars or whatever uh, were first happening. And our friends, um, who now, most all of them, I guess, uh, work at Campo Santo, uh, that, that just made Firewatch, they were kickstarting uh, Bringing Back the Idle Thumbs podcast, and they made a bunch of money, and we were like, holy shit. Uh, people really are like, <laughs> like, yeah, they'll, they'll give that much money for a podcast? All right. Uh, but the thing for us was, like, we considered it, but we just knew that Gone Home was not the kind of game that you, like, look at a Kickstarter video for it, and you're like, I got to pay a bunch of money for that in advance. You know what I mean? Like, we knew that Gone Home was the kind of game that you had to play the final product and be like, okay, this is, like, awesome, I got to tell my friends to play it. You know, so we just, we never felt like Gone Home as a pitch was, like, a match for what Kickstarter was good for, you know, like Double Fine Adventure was like, you love Tim Schafer adventure games, right? Want another one of those? Okay, give us a bunch of money, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that all kind of makes sense. Or like, um, you know, Hyperlight Drifter was like, our art, our art is like totally gorgeous. Like you want a game that looks like this, right? You know, and Gone Home is like, it didn't check any of those boxes. So yeah, for us, we were totally self-funded. We were, um, we were fortunate to all have worked in AAA for a bunch of years and have money saved up and none of us had kids or like any of that kind of stuff where it's like, okay, we have all these other um, obligations that have to come first. So we were able to just say, let's move up to Portland. Let's all rent a house together. Let's work in the basement. Let's do this as cheaply as possible. Like scope the project to the size of something that we can actually do on our own and just see what we can do within those constraints. You know? Right. I mean, did you have like, uh, I'm sure you have like a, a minimum amount of copies you want like to sell to continue. I mean, did you have a plan B? I mean, our plan B was just like, if this thing fails, then I guess we tried and we can always go back and get Safe. jobs in AAA, right? Like, I mean, what's the worst made, that can happen? Yeah, yeah. If we made if we made this game and released it, or if we were never if we didn't even get to the finish line, we just ran out of money, didn't want to keep working together the game wasn't turning out whatever like we could just be like all right well we've all got resumes we can go back and get jobs if we really need to that sucks but you know like that's what it is um i think that gave us that feeling of freedom of like okay well let's let's do the best with what we have and try to make a go of it and like make it good but like it isn't literally like the end of the world if we if we don't you know it was a good balance like we wanted to make it a success and like make it real but we weren't just like, you know, mm-hmm. gonna die if, <laughs> if it didn't all turn out the way we wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I was listening to, like, a, an interview with Elon Musk, and he was mentioning, like, how he tried at one point while he was putting his billion-dollar companies together. Uh, <laughs> before that, he was living off of $1 a day. Like, I think <laughs> Larry's shaking his head. <laughs> but the idea is, like, living at your minimum and, like, living through your worst helps you prepare for whatever risk that you may take, right? So I feel like once you... Oh, Larry, <laughs> Larry is shaking his head. Larry is skeptical. <laughs> he says no. <laughs> it's like, yeah. he may have only spent a dollar a day, right? But yeah, like, yeah. come on. <laughs> but they, come it's on. the philosophy, I guess. Sure, it doesn't sure, have to sure, be a yeah. dollar. Buy a Big Mac for one dollar. Yeah, <laughs> How are you going to... Uh, no, but I mean, yeah, I think... Eating out of the yeah. trash is free. That's true. <laughs> um, no, I, I think that, um, you know, we're in a very different position now where it's sort of like, okay, well, now we actually have employees. They're relying on us. You know, there's there, once you have, once you're more established, you kind of are like, okay, we need to like, you know, we, we need to be responsible to some people. But when you're first starting out and you're like, we're just a few people in a basement trying to make a cool thing, mm-hmm. like as long as you're all on board for like, we're putting everything we have into this and it doesn't work out, like we're okay with that, then hopefully that, that, that puts you in a position to make the best thing you can with what you have and then just go from there, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought we were going to have one more Twitch question. <laughs> so we've got one. I think we kind of answered for you, but just in case. 
everything you're doing right now for your team is definitely being done in-house, but are you looking into like offloading some things in other areas or are you going to keep the company in-house altogether and stay small? How do you think your company is going to move forward in the future as far as development goes? Well, like right now, you know, we're working with more external people than we have in the past. Like we're working with, um, Patrick Balthrop, who uh, was the audio director on Bioshock Infinite, but now he runs his own like independent um, uh, sound design uh, studio. Um, and like, uh, did you know uh, Michael Surix? At, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I know uh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, Mike Surix. Uh, he was a voice director, voice coordinator um, at 2K, and now he runs his own studio down in LA. So like. We're working with uh, the the artist that did our Game Informer cover right now. We're working with her to do some um, like environment concepts and stuff. So we are like working with people outside the studio, basically just to bring skill sets that we don't have somebody in house working full time um, to, to to bring to bear on the project. But um, you know, I honestly, you know, me and Carla, I think both of us, we feel like. Tacoma is like the biggest project that we want to work on as a studio. We don't, we don't have the kind of ambitions that are like, okay, we went from four to eight this time. Now we want to go to 30 next time yeah. and then hundred next time, you know, like that's right back into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like I know it's, I, I've, I've been in that situation where there's like, you know, hundred plus people trying to work on one thing and like, there can be cool stuff about it, but I think really, our ambition is to figure out how to always do something that we've never done before with every project. And that doesn't necessarily mean just like getting bigger and bigger, right? It it means figuring out how to like explore new territory and do something that we think is worth doing in a different way than we have before. And if that means like doing more smaller projects or like, you know, like I I think that, that we are really like a one project studio in terms of like, we're looking from here to the end of Tacoma and making that good. And then like giving ourselves the space and time to be like, what do we really want to do next? Not just like, what are we supposed to do next? Let's like jump right in. You know what I mean? Right. Man, you, you sound like the right kind of boss. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I I hope you start a trend and more companies start to work like that. Seriously. Yeah. It's a, it's a luxury, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I totally understand the situation when people are like, okay, we just hired up 60 people. Yeah. We just finished our project. Now we got to f- figure out how to keep, you know, like paying 60 people. Like, I mean, that's, that's the job at that point. But like, if you can have that flexibility to, to like think of that more holistically, I think that it probably benefits everybody. You know? Amen. Yeah. Like lists who you like, who you don't like. It, it gets tough. <laughs> <laughs> This guy cut me off at the parking lot. <laughs> but it's a serious question, though. Like, since developing Gone Home and now developing Tacoma, like, what's your view on the indie scene and how is it? Has war changed? Like, is it different now? <laughs> uh, war never changes. <laughs> it never changes. Um, I, it's definitely changed. I mean, I think that, um, you know, f- like, four or five years before Gone Home came out was a very different landscape. And like now three years after Gone Home's come out, it's, it's different again. Right. Like, I mean, 2008, 2009 was when Braid and Super Meat Boy and Limbo and stuff were coming out. Right. And then like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a new frontier, right? It was, people were seeing like, Oh, you can do something that like, really breaks through in this space and for for the first time. And I think that that was, I think that gone home, we were very fortunate to to have a similar experience, but in a different space, right. Where it's like, we were right on the top of that wave of like, Oh, like innovative indie games on steam can be huge breakthroughs. Like we came out within a few months of like Stanley parable, right? Like, I mean, there's sort of this feeling of like, Oh, there's something going on here. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that now, we're at a point where that wave has crested and there's so much going on now that's cool and interesting that now it's just this whole other level of like, you have to not just be like one of the few games coming out that's worth paying attention to, but you have to like stand out from this huge group of games that are all cool that are coming out that like 
if you had all the time in the world, you'd love to play all of them, but you have to choose one, right? Because because you only got so many hours in your life. Right. Um, and and so I think it's a different kind of challenge, and I think it's just about you know. Uh, figuring out how to connect with an audience in a way that matters to them, that makes them say, like, this is the game I should be playing right now, not all these other games that also look cool, right? Like, yeah. there's some reason that, like, you know, when Firewatch came out, people were like, this is what I need to be playing and yeah. not all this other cool stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it means that, like, the more things change, the more things stay the same. You still have to do something. It makes people feel like I have to play this. My friends are all telling me this is like a great game and I need to play it. I think it's just like that landscape and what it means to be one of those games mm-hmm. is all kind of evolving. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, kind of like expanding on what you're saying there. Steve Gaynor making Gone Home then versus Steve Gaynor making Gone Home now. Is there anything that you would do differently? If we were trying to put that game out now... Yeah, I mean, like, I think that I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I feel like there's just this baseline, right? I feel like there's this baseline of you have to make sure that you give enough people the opportunity to like know about what you're doing, that you have the chance for that to like cross over and kind of like blow up because enough enough of like the core audience have have seen it that they can get the word out and spread through word of mouth or spread through you know streaming and and youtube and all this kind of stuff or reviews or you know video reviews like essays whatever it is um i think that's always true um i think that you just kind of have to be true to the game you know what i mean like i wouldn't do i wouldn't make gone home a different game now than i did a few years ago and so i think you always just got to kind of like present the game that it is in a way that's authentic to that and so like in that way i think you might be reaching out to different people i think you might be like oh these are like there's these new faces within the scene of like how people are getting the word out about games and i should make sure that they know about what we're doing so they have a chance to play it but like i don't know i i think that it's easy to kind of overthink and and like get gimmicky and kind of like um try to chase trends and stuff i think at the end of the day there's like if you're just making people aware of this thing you're doing and trying to get it in front of people that might care about it and just like do right by what the by what the game's identity is then like that's the thing that stays the same okay yeah i like that i like that it makes me feel a little different about like you know because i'm thinking about game design i'm like all right so micro trans how's that gonna work or like, <laughs> <Right. you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. so but a lot of times but i mean that's like depending on what game you're making that is that is yeah, like yeah. what the game is right like i mean if you're working on league of legends you're like thinking about like okay like there, yeah. there's just different aspects depending on how people engage with what you're making right I, I think it all just is like project by project you know amen to that well, um, we have reached the hour mark, and as your reward for making it through our experience, since you're playing a game with us now, uh, you've reached the end, here's where we give you the cake. Brandon and I are going to be quiet, and we're going to let you talk, promote, shout anything that you like that you're working on, uh, big ups to somebody that has a profound effect on your career, anything you'd like, the audience is yours, Mr. Gainer, <laughs> let it rip. All right, so um, if you're interested in what we've been talking about so far, you can go to Tacoma-Game.com and and join our newsletter, see a trailer, follow us on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Um, Our friends at uh, Heart Machine just released uh, Hyperlight Drifter, which looks beautiful. It should be out by the time this podcast is up for real. If you're watching on Twitch, I think it's going to come out in like an hour, or maybe it just came out or something like that. But, um, you know, check that out. and one of our level designers, Nina, Nina Freeman, um, she's an awesome indie developer as well. She just won the Nuovo Award at GDC this year for her game Sybil. It's C-I-B-E-L-E uh, is the name of the game. It's about, uh, it's kind of an autobiographical game about being a girl who falls in love through an online game uh, back in the early 2000s. Uh, it's wow. a really cool game. Look it up. Check it out. Uh, see kind of a different perspective on on gaming through Nina's eyes. Those are my so pitches. A, those are my those are my plugs. All right. So that's a horror game then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional horror. <laughs> oh man. 
Well, hey, man, uh, since I've got the mic, I, I wish you the best in all of the games that you guys develop at Fulbright. And I'm looking forward to Tacoma. I loved Gone Home. So uh, I have high esteem and uh, interest in what you guys are working on. So keep up the great luck and awesome talent and awesome team and awesome work. So, I mean, you guys can't do any wrong in my eyes. So thanks for being a part of this podcast. It's yeah. been an honor and a pleasure. But I'm tired. Larry Charles, I'm out. Hey, thanks again for joining us. And again, Steve Gaynor, thank you for talking to me again. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much you guys for having me on. Good to talk to you again, Brandon. It's been a while, but I'm glad we got to catch up. All right, man. I'll see you uh, two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, it's a date. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.